Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Glad you're with us for Outkick 360, 6th and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine, right here in the heart of Nashville, uh, downtown Music City. Crew's all here doing a fantastic job. We'll, we'll talk uh, the rise of wide receiver value right now in today's NFL. That's in 15 minutes. Uh, the, there, there's a name maybe later this evening, starting tomorrow and later this week, that's going to rise amongst the draft conversations, Malik Willis. And it's because of who he's visiting this week, Pittsburgh and Detroit. And knowing that, there's going to be news that comes out of these visits, and it's going to tie into some draft discussion. It's a widespread, Pittsburgh yeah. and Detroit. Right. And uh, Detroit that has been rumored, rumored to be able to select a quarterback at number two, while they, uh, they say they're not going to, who knows? I mean, it, it's lying season this, day, this time on the calendar for all the NFL teams that are posturing, trying to get information but not give very much. And it's also drama season for networks like ESPN because, especially this year, Paul, you brought up the, what, was it Peter King that wrote that we may not have a skilled position player on offense drafted the first 10 picks? Yeah, some were saying the first 10. A lot were saying it probably goes 10th to the Jets in, the, in a scenario there where there were none maybe in the top nine. I, I say prepare for NFL draft drama. Here's why. This is a television show that's going to be live, and, and fans are going to watch it, but there's not, as, not nearly as much, quote-unquote, drama. It's remarkable. Um, the reality show drama going into this broadcast. 20 players, I think, are confirmed to go to the first round. Two of them quarterbacks uh, attend the first round in Vegas uh, live. I think in, it's 21. In, in the green room. Uh, two quarterbacks, last I saw. And, and Matt Corral's one of them. Um, so I'm, I'm looking at this going, okay, prepare for the quote-unquote debate and manufactured headlines, one of which will be Malik Willis this week. Because with him visiting Detroit, the headline's going to be, are the Lions preparing to draft a quarterback at number two overall? Very cyclical news, and it's based on it, – it, it's not fake information. It is what people are hearing. It is newsworthy that Malik Willis is visiting in person as one of the 30 visits in Detroit. But it, it, does it mean that there's some great debate on whether or not he's all of a sudden – going from an outside the top 15 caliber quarterback to top five, I, I'm hard-pressed to, to make that jump, especially given the fact that Kenny Pickett's also going to be visiting these same teams if he hasn't already. Matt Corral's been penciled in a lot of recent mock drafts at 32nd uh, to Detroit. So that's more intrigue. Detroit, if it doesn't go quarterback at two, yeah. potential quarterback at 32. 32 is a big spot if you're drafting a quarterback. A lot of teams deal back into the back end of the first round to get a quarterback because you get that fifth-year option. And if your quarterback pans out, you want five years of contractual control 
not four. Um, and Corral, I saw as soon as this list of 21 names came out, a lot of people wanting to say, who do you bet on to be the overnight guy? And does he stay for, from Thursday night to Friday if he doesn't get drafted in the first round? There's always that painful green room intrigue for the guy who doesn't get taken in the first round. I don't know. Some people are high on Corral. I, I don't see Corral as a great NFL quarterback. Blake Benningfield, the 19-year scout who writes at my site, thinks he's the best quarterback uh, in, in the draft. So there's a mixed bag on, on – uh, and he's much more qualified than I am mix, – mixed bag on, on quarterback opinion all over the place. Um, but if, uh, I, if I'm looking at – Detroit's um, got two cracks in the first round. I'll say this for Corral. If I'm looking he's for got Moxie. Joe Burrow, X-Factor level stuff, he's got it. Now, he's got a different gear. I don't think he's the most I picture him skilled getting guy. I picture him getting and he's broken. And he's got some injury I don't concerns. picture him getting broken. I, I just flip on the tape of what he did in Tuscaloosa, and I watched that game in person. He sucked. I, yeah. I, that's NFL. He's playing against an NFL team right there. He's not playing against you know Vanderbilt that weekend. I... Uh, that's that's the film I flip on. Now, to his credit, you can turn on you can turn on tape of Matt Corral and watch a lot more heavy hitting going on with his tape than what you can Malik Willis, who played at Liberty against nobody. Um, but ever. I mean, uh, the performance against uh, Alabama. I'll watch that game going, man. I and you guys know I I love Corral and Kiffin and and Ole Miss football uh, and their style of play, but. I came away from that game thinking maybe this guy is not the uh, the NFL starter that I had assumed all these these last couple of years. The other thing, I, if people say this year after year after year, and, and the Titans are in a position where they could use a quarterback to replace Ryan Tannehill in a year, which is probably the scenario. I just don't see him this year because there's no guy that they're going to be in range yeah. of that's guaranteed better to be, to be better than Tannehill long term. And then they say, well – you know, take a flyer on a third, fourth, small school. Those guys don't – I mean, name me to last – it's so rare. So well, rare. I, I also know – I don't see it. The brown kid, you know. Is that guy going to really pan out? Titans have needs to fill out depth on their roster because of some of these misses that they've had. Draft guys who are going to help you in the secondary or, or on special teams or whatever. I, I'm against taking flyers on quarterbacks in the middle rounds. When you take a quarterback, mean it. Well, uh, Chad, turn on turn on tape of some of the small school talents that played against the Alabamas of the world. Kevin Byard is a great example. Some of his best games came against the SEC level quarterbacks, and so whenever you're grading tape of Conference USA or Sun Belt uh, film of him, you can also, while you're watching and develop, you're, if you're watching Neil at left tackle, you can watch. Uh, a player on defense from middle or somewhere else uh, that catches can your eye. Catch your eye. I, I, with, with Corral, I think you're probably nitpicking a lot more because you're also grading out a lot of the Alabama defense while you watch Matt Corral go against them. And I, I thought the speed really showed itself there. And and uh, uh, for Detroit, I know this is a league for if you don't have a quarterback, you you have nothing. But at 32, or, or number two overall, do, can they have the luxury of drafting a quarterback who you don't intend to start for this year or moving forward? I no. mean, this, 
This is not Aaron Rodgers' level. We talked about level. this on the days that you were you, out. If you draft, if say you drafted Willis at two and he sits this year, then next year you have to convince your fan base that right. he's better than the guy you could be drafting next year exactly. at number two. Exactly. And he's, he's not. So Matt Corral, he did have some other – he played some other good defenses. He was 24 for 37 against A&M in a win. Um, he – was good against LSU, and they've got talent on defense. They weren't a very good team this year. He also went head-to-head with Malik Willis and won 27-14. to 14. He was 20 for 27 for 324, 74% in that game uh, against Malik Willis and Liberty back in November. So those two quarterbacks went head-to-head. Um, I don't see any quarterback worthy of a top-10 pick no. in this draft. And I, I think Matt Corral's on that list of quarterbacks not worthy of a top-10 pick. Um, I think Kenny Pickett's the best quarterback in this draft if I'm picking one, and I like the chances of him going sixth to uh, to Carolina. But this is also the time of year you talked about people lying. It's a good time to float a rumor that you want out there that's going to be picked up by everyone, right? If you're a team and you want to float something out there to a media member, you can do that right now and get people talking. So I I just I have a hard time even though all the things I just said about no top 10 worthy quarterbacks this year, I still have a hard time thinking Detroit's going to be that patient. Also, if you're right? Detroit, you've got to be very patient to... still to say, we're going to be okay with Jared Goff losing this year. And I know we're the second overall pick, but we're going to wait and we're going to get another piece to the puzzle and then go get our quarterback a year from now. Yeah. That's a very different approach in today's NFL. It is. So I still have a hard time totally convincing myself that quarterback is not in play at number two. Well, that would really be indicting the quarterbacks. It would just say, we just don't think these guys are good. The other thing is, if you're floating it because you want somebody to come up and get them, well, if you're giving up your pick, that means you really don't like them. Uh, you're, you're encouraging somebody to go get the Jaguars pick to get ahead of you, and I don't, I don't know what kind of game that is. Nobody's doing that. I, don't, I just don't think this is the year to float information trying to beg someone to trade up ahead. of. Like I, it's not happening. Uh, this is not that year. This is not last year's quarterback crop where you can float out multiple names and, and have the debate on, oh, who's San Francisco after at number three? You know, which And that trade was made can, weeks before the draft. Can dude. New England actually sit at 15 and get Matt Jones? Turns out they can and, and did so. But, you know, I, 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 I don't, I'm, I'm just I'm prefacing all the discussion by saying the next two weeks – are going to be filled with a lot of quote-unquote drama that is manufactured by the TV network that sells this like an NFL game. And look, we, we harp on this too. People watch the Pro Bowl. Uh, we will watch the NFL draft, and we'll spend a lot of time discussing it. But just, you know, tap the brakes on some of the headlines that are about to pop because they have to churn out this reality show drama and manufacture some stuff that normally they don't have to manufacture. That's true. Normally, normally think... there is a debate about a wide receiver. There is some kind of controversy off the field that you're having to either lobby for or against. And there's also multiple quarterbacks and maneuvering and posturing in the top 10 to go get those guys. No one wants to talk about Neil or, you know, no. uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. T Thibodeau is the... Uh, the, the <laughs> he's the most drama-filled guy they have right now. And we've, we've, we've exhausted the discussion of him since the Super Bowl. There's a little bit of a test as to, like, what your, what's your draft interest meter? Like, are, uh, if you're a six, is this enough to be intriguing? Because there is intrigue uh, in terms of 
there are no locks. Like, you can look at five different mocks. It'll have five different directions that the first round can go in the top ten picks. But the guys you're talking about going to those different places, like you said, aren't particularly enthralling guys I just, with enthralling I, stories. I, I think uh, the casual fan, as these names are read off yeah, uh, a week hum. from Thursday, a lot of it'll feel like an NBA draft in a way where you're going to know about half of them. And, and, and the reason why you only know about half of them is none of them are quarterbacks, wide receivers, or skilled position players. And there's a one in four chance your team isn't getting any of them. You'll know about <laughs> half and care about less than half yeah. of them when they're named. It's not going to have, to have but, any appeal when you hear the names. But there, there is a magnitude to the NFL draft that will always win and always feel victorious. They're going to pull great ratings. I didn't, you know, I'm not discussing this saying that all of a sudden their ratings are dropping and they've got to manufacture some stuff. They just need speaking topics that normally are produced as like fruit on a tree. And right now, I'm not so sure if the NFL draft buildup is fruitful for them. It's not fruitful. I, I mean, I think you're dead right. Uh, you know, go to the tape of X doing Y. Uh, you know, they don't have – the. Uh, it's going to be actual highlights of now, players. Now, here's, here's how I would spin the Lions with Malik Willis. It's that last year, Dan Campbell is calling out his quote-unquote leader. Jared Goff needs to go lead more. We need more out of our quarterback in big moments. And he's a $100 million guy that you, I mean, you traded away Matthew Stafford, not Dan Campbell, but the, the organization, and inherit Jared Goff. And within the first half of the first season with him, you're making it known to the media publicly to your fans, we need more out of our main guy. That's how I would spin it by saying they're going to go draft that, that guy and develop him behind Goff and make sure he's ready to unseat him a year from now. Well, this year he's saying you don't need an elite quarterback necessarily to win, which is really an outlier stance. If you believe Which is it. what you say, which is what you say yeah. when you don't have an elite that, that quarterback. That fits the loser mentality of the Detroit Lions yeah. to a T. Well, I just look at, you know, these guys. Next year, they'll need one. Next year, when they're drafting one, they'll need one. Well, let's put the four guys in the mix. Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, um, Ritter. Ritter and Corral. I mean, what is there a big difference from a prospect standpoint between Ritter and Corral? Like, if you're drafting in the second round? I think the one thing you could say there is that Willis is an unknown, at least. You haven't seen him coached to, to structure and everything, and maybe his athletic traits could conceivably lift him to something different. That's I mean, the only unknown there Hugh to me. Hugh Freeze is a great offensive coach. Like, he yeah, coaches he offense. Run, he didn't run a very complex system uh, with other very good players around him against very good programs. I mean, I, I think it's just weird if you're saying, well, he didn't play anybody that good, so we think he's better. And we've well, seen these other guys play against top-notch competition. You're having to evaluate those guys. I mean, it's no different than Trey Lance. You're having to evaluate those guys against, uh, you know, manufactured type drills that you're going to work them out for, right? You're you're drafting them based on traits, not necessarily competition. I just don't. I don't know. That's what I, that was my case last week for him. I, like I just don't more potential upside. That's the only. I just reason. think it's so hard to say we don't know something about anyone. Like Malik Willis has been drilled by these coaches on offensive acumen. You know, they, they know. Oh, sure. I mean, they, they know how much football he knows. Hugh Freeze knows a lot of football. I, I just think it can be way too simplistic at times with the NFL guys when they talk about college systems. 
oh, well, he's not, he's not really asked to do anything. Well, Hugh Freeze's offense, you're asked to do things. Sometimes it's thinking quicker on your feet in between plays. It may be two options you have and not four on a play, but you're asked to do things. I, I, don't, I don't know that I see that with him. And I also think the pro game, we've seen the blending of the two. Oh, yeah. oh, it's coming sure. a lot closer to the college game anyway. So whoever drafts Malik Willis, if the Lions draft Malik Willis at two, they damn well better have a plan that has his college offense involved in it and not try to fit him into whatever they're doing right now with Jared Goff. I, I'm, you, I agree with you totally. on that. And, so, you know, the other thing that has but changed. But still not going to be opening day. Well, the other thing that has changed is the, uh, the earpiece now cuts off with, what is it, 15, 15 seconds? You can get a lot of information in there from the, the time play, the time clock standpoint on making sure you have your guy set to go. Well, hell, they were doing it with Goff, who went to Cal in L.A., they were getting up to the line and being I mean, ready to snap at 15 seconds so they could talk to him right up until the snap. Yeah. But he also didn't know the sun rose in the east. Well, I mean, there have been some other good players from Cal that I'm sure maybe didn't know that either. Kyrie Irving went to Duke, and he's a flat earther. Yeah. But he can ball. Never know. That's what. I, that, see, that's the thing. I, I want to know, like, it, it's no different than Trey Lance and Mac Jones last year. Um. We, we were discussing, oh, is Zach Wilson going to be successful? And I'm like, no, because he's, he's playing for the Jets. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, Trey Lance, oh, he's going to San Francisco? Maybe. Maybe. Shanahan? Like oh, like he's, got, he's got a great shot. Tell me who Matt Corral's coach is, and I'll tell you whether or not he's going to be successful. If he ends up in Detroit at thir- 32 overall, he's going to suck. I mean, that's Probably. what that organization does. They suck. But if you, if you pair them with some of the better offensive play callers in the league, he's got a shot. Put him, put him in Dallas, and then Sean Payton inherits that team a year from now. And whoever is backing up Dak Prescott, if Prescott gets hurt, is going to be successful because those, those quarterback guys will have their guy ready. I don't know why I just thought about this when you said Dallas, but did you guys get to see any of Jason Garrett on the USFL broadcast? It's very weird for no, him to be the it? host instead of the guest. Yeah, he, well, he was, the, he was hosting with Jack Collinsworth. Because it was all simulcast. Yeah. Like NBC carried Fox's broadcast. So the on two NBC. of them were interviewing Fisher and Haley. It's very weird to watch Garrett host. Uh, well, it was very weird. He was just like uh, overly exuberant, like host yeah. guy. Like he was very much a presenter. What was you, odd you think of him? in that role? I I I was busy, frankly, being um, miserable watching Collinsworth do that when I don't find him qualified and think it's complete nepotism and I can't stand it. And Fisher was really uh, doing his hard sell. Look at, listen to this crowd. He didn't have his backwards ball cap on yet. Did he wear a backwards ball cap for that entire game? No, he had a different uh, – he had like a sweatshirt on. He had like a hoodie, and then he changed into a pullover for the Michigan Panthers for the TV broadcast. I, I didn't really get an impression of Garrett. I, I didn't think he was terrible, but I didn't think he was good. I bet he'll be, I bet he'll be really good. Yeah, he was polished uh, when he was I, doing I, it. it. You was guys just, know I watched him with it was sound a, off. It was, so. a different, it was a different role. Yeah, it was very odd to see him in that role. Yeah, it was like, you know, Jack Collinsworth on Football Night in America is like, oh, my gosh, we got the Niners and we've got the Seahawks. And he's going, you know, all yeah. into it. And he's, let's go. Let's get it going. I mean, and it was Garrett kind of doing that with him. You know, so it was. For, for the first game. It was saying. like they were both doing that. Okay. Even when Collinsworth, I think Collinsworth is fine. Even game. when Jack Collinsworth would throw it to him, he picked what up were your vibe. impressions with the, the first half? And he's like, it's great to see guys following their dream. You know, yeah. it's a, 
So they were kind of both doing the same okay. shtick. He picked up Jack's vibe. Yeah. Both doing the same thing, I felt like. There's a vibe with wide receivers right now of the, the clear upper echelon and then even that next tier, expecting to get paid. Wide receiver contracts are taking center stage right now across the league. And we'll discuss the big names that are looking for the big payday. That's next on so Now Kick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360 across the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us. Withrow's got the the football in his hands. Uh, Not awkward at all. Demonstrating how to properly hold a football and – Mess around with it without right. looking awkward. <laughs> this is uh, still has still. We were listening to it. a tutorial from someone on our staff earlier. This is my visual tutorial about how to do such. Hold it on your fingertips. And now I'm going to toss it to Davey over here. See if he's looking. Oh God. There he goes. There goes all the equipment. The wide receiver value across the league has skyrocketed, and we've seen Miami make a big trade. Uh, we've seen, of course, Green Bay trade away Devontae Adams to Las Vegas. Adams and Tyreek Hill both getting big paydays. Uh, you know th- there are other players uh, across the the free agent market that have also landed big money deals. And so now that next tier of wide receivers who are up for the opportunity for contract extensions: Devo Samuel, AJ Brown, Terry McLaurin, DK those, Metcalf, and DK Metcalf as well. Um, there are uh, a group of guys who are either going to get a big payday. Or get traded. It's one of the two. And we know that because and ultimately they get paid either way by playing this type of game. The agents know that. Well, there's a different. And the players too. There's a third path. The third path is that they play out the fourth year of their contract and conceivably get franchised next year. They would have power on the franchise year, right? You cannot play well, under the franchise tag and assist. But if A.J. Brown didn't show up for training camp this year, he's fined $50,000 a day, and that's not refundable. He doesn't have any choice there. And if A.J. Brown doesn't play for the Tennessee Titans, they're screwed. Right. But he's not going to sit out for $50,000 a, a day. Well, I, I would say, you know, the, the discussion of quarterback contracts, for instance, um, A.J. Brown's scheduled to make how much this year? I've got it. If you give five me one million, second. something like that, on the final final year of his contract. I mean, it's it's nothing compared to his overall value. Three point nine eight six. Now now's the time to to flex on that. Um, if if I'm AJ Brown, you know, the discussion of Lamar Jackson and there's some other quarterbacks too uh, that are that are due. Kyler Murray. Uh, those guys are actually making. Uh, some some nice coin right now, especially Lamar Jackson on the fifth year option yeah. coming up. You know he's making twenty million dollars. It's an in between number. There's there's a reason why he's okay playing out that year. But meanwhile, AJ Brown is that Paul. You you would say Lamar Jackson's a fool for not for not extending his contract out and playing out this year. 
I would argue he's playing this brilliantly because he's making $20 million, and if he gets hurt, he's still got the guaranteed $20 million. A.J. Brown is guaranteed nothing. He's, he's got to play this hand right now. I think A.J. Brown is going to get an extension. But I think A.J. Brown's naive and foolish if he thinks he's going to get an extension in April. Uh, I, I wrote this today. If you go look at the Titans' extensions, the, the calendar isn't April. Jarrell Casey, July 28th, 2017. Taylor Lewan, July 27th, 2018. Kevin Byard, July 24th, 2019. Derrick Henry was on a, a timetable because the, the uh, franchise tag you can't negotiate after a certain period of time. His was a little earlier, July 15th, 2020. And I would estimate that A.J. Brown will get a contract extension before training camp in July. That's the timetable where it happens. Well, two of I them, don't know he does anything with his leverage by not being at, at OTA. Two of your examples are third-round picks. The other one is Taylor Lewan, who would have held out had they not signed him when they did. He walked out in a boss hog suit and, and while practice was ending because he, he didn't show up for the first practice while they were finalizing the contract. Right. But that, so, that so, fine rule was different then. Well, but my, my, my point is Wide receivers have never had this type of leverage before, where if you don't get your money, you can get traded now, and you, you can be moved and get paid immediately. Um, and meanwhile, the team's willing to get something in return because they either financially they're not going to be able to afford it, they don't want to build around that position specifically um, because they, they're paying their quarterback, or they know that the guy's not happy and he's going to leave anyway when free agency hits. It's It's... It's an interesting play from, the, from this specific position because of the value that teams are putting on wide receiver. It's gone the opposite direction yes. the running back. Yeah, they do certainly have more leverage than they did. I, I'm a little puzzled by A.J. Brown. Like, the Jets stuff, uh, the, the Jets have been rumored to want in on all these guys, not McLaurin. Because right? they're going to sign him to the extension. But, but the other right. three. If you're not willing to do it, I will. That's what the Jets are saying to those teams. Right, and, and they want them. Uh, but the trade stuff has all come from the Jets side, right? We want to make a play for Samuel, for Metcalf, for – they made an offer for Metcalf, mm -hmm. for Brown, uh, because we anticipate these difficulties, and we want a number one receiver right now, and we've got these draft picks, and we'll, we'll make the trade. The Titans have very clearly said, we're not looking to trade A.J. Brown. We intend on extending him. And A.J. has tweeted stuff like, Oh, this is driving me crazy, just like you yeah. guys. I don't know why he's given that any any space in his head to like be like, are they or aren't they when they're nowhere near that? Well, that AJ Brown should tweet less first and foremost, just in general. I think he gets way too involved in things that he shouldn't really be worried about. As AJ Brown, I'm saying that as a compliment to AJ Brown, one of the better receivers in the league. He should not involve himself with certain things on Twitter. But if you're not getting if he's so worried about it, all right, and Paul, you're saying it's April, the Titans do this in July. Well, if they're getting a steady bit of info through his agent and John Robinson that, AJ, don't worry, we're going to get this thing done in July. That's, that's my timetable normally. We're going to hammer this thing out in July. Then he wouldn't be nervous, which leads me to believe maybe he's not getting that information from John Robinson right now, that he's not telling him we're going to hammer this thing out in July. And if he's hearing nothing and you're reading reports about the Jets' willingness to sign A.J. Brown or D.K. Metcalf or Debo Samuel to an extension, and you're not hearing that from your own team, 
then I understand the apprehension. I understand the anxiety you would have for AJ Brown. Now, you should not be putting that anxiety out on social media, but I could understand feeling that way because, look, if the ultimate goal is to save money, the Titans should trade A.J. Brown. I don't think the ultimate goal picks. is to save money. Titans were 1-3 and three without A.J. Brown. All three of us agree they don't go to A.J. Brown enough. Right. They need to do more to get to A.J. Brown. They're a far better team when they're A.J. Brown-centric. And this idea that they could replace A.J. Brown. Listen, A.J. Brown has solved a longstanding problem where they can't find wide receivers. Let's not pretend it's solved. Let's, pretend, let's say what it is. They finally found one. They need to find another one in this draft, quite frankly. Robert Woods needs to be one. Then they need to have three good receivers with A.J. Brown at the head of the triumvirate where they're a little less Derrick Henry reliant, a little more A.J. Brown reliant. He's not going to get what all of these other wide receivers get in terms of frequency of target because they run so much. But there's a far better team with A.J. Brown. If they let him go, if they were to trade him, this city would revolt. This is a team that's about to ask for help with the stadium that doesn't have a lot of marketable uh, guys who are out front. A.J. Brown is a delightfully likable guy when he's in front of a microphone, when he's celebrating a touchdown with his teammates. He's one of the best commodities they have. They would be foolish to let anything go south with A.J. Brown. On his side, he's got to work to be healthier more often. He's getting dinged up a little bit too much, and, and he's got to do what he can to demand the ball, but they've got to get him the ball. I agree with pretty much everything you're saying, Paul. I'm not sure that the Titans are sitting around thinking this guy's really marketable and we're about to push for a new stadium. Well, I don't think John Robinson's sitting around thinking about that. He's probably got people above him. Amy should Maybe telling him that. But I don't think he thinks of things in those terms. But again, I don't understand why A.J. Brown is acting all nervous if John Robinson is saying everything that you're saying right now. I don't know if they've said it yet. Well, I mean, publicly, well, the publicly, not, publicly they've if, said, we have every intention of this guy being here. We love him. If, we want him. If it's a timing thing, if it's a, this is where I get to this in my calendar after the draft, when the dust settles with that, we're going to talk. Sign we'll picks. get something done in July. Sign the pick. See where we are. It's going to happen. Chill out. If he's being told that, I don't know why he's anxious. So things aren't just, they're not lining up. There. What and the, if they hold your hand through and that? And if you're the Titans, I think you have to, you know, you entertain any offer. When I say entertain, I'm not saying you do it. I'm saying you listen. If the Jets are calling and offering a lot, you got to at least listen to them to see what they're offering, even though I would not make that trade. Well, here's where things get really dicey and the Titans become nervous. It's if, if San Francisco or Washington sign one of their two dudes who are not attending offseason work. Debo Samuel and Terry McLaurin to extensions based on this. Because I'm here to tell you, A.J. Brown's better than both of them. And Debo Samuel, uh, for as good as he is and for as well-known as he became this year, his numbers are based around nine or ten games of this past year. Yes. It's his first 1,000-yard season. Meanwhile, Terry McLaurin's got better stats than all three of them, if you're just looking at them. But the thing about A.J. is what he means to the offense and the dynamic aspects of how they use him. I, I, you know, he's, he's the, the one-two punch to their run-first uh, run uh, passing attack. Play action. And, I, you know, uh, McLaurin is, is exceptional. But the Titans have a window of opportunity right now that the Commanders do not. And if the Commanders or if the 49ers sign – 
one of these two guys who are currently not in offseason work with their teams to an extension, watch out because AJ's worth it. And if they're not going to go ahead and step forward and do it, uh, there's no reason to show up. There's no reason. If I'm advising AJ Brown, I'm telling him to show up to offseason work. There's a zero uh, with, with what this guy, this guy is sitting on a lottery ticket. There is no reason to show up and pay for three, play for $3 million until you sign and get your contract extension. Then you show up and practice. I don't think he's as good as Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs is older, of course, and, and A.J. probably has a crack at two contracts. Stephon Diggs just signed his last contract. Stephon Diggs averages 24 a year. D.J. Moore averages 20.6 a year. I think the soft spot for A.J. Brown is right in between those somewhere. Well, the difference the difference in Buffalo and why it's a three-year contract is they just paid their quarterback top dollar. Yeah. Josh Allen's getting $40, $45 million a year moving forward. Patrick Mahomes is getting paid that and then some. Aaron Rodgers is getting paid that and then some. They shipped off the wide receivers instead of signing them to mega deals because they're devoting their money – to their mega quarterback superstars and building around them through the draft, which makes sense. The Titans are in the opposite boat. They're about to go young at quarterback a year from now, if I were willing to bet on it, and therefore they can pay their wide receiver. The San Francisco 49ers are about to have a rookie contract for their quarterback for the next four years or so. They can afford Debo Samuel. And how about Washington's quarterback situation? Zero. Zero. They're going to go young too. So, they can afford Terry McLaurin. The difference there is Miami had to trade for their guy because they, don't, they haven't developed a superstar Tyreek Hill. The Raiders have been begging for the, the type of receiver that Devontae Adams is. And, the, and before they extended Derek Carr, they traded and gave the mega deal to Devontae Adams. And Carr signed a two-year extension on one year that was already remaining. It's a, it, it, it's a team-friendly contract extension for their veteran quarterback. My point being, the teams with the youth at quarterback take advantage of a window where they can pay other players around them. And if you're forecasting where the Titans are going to be, not going to be paying the mega bucks to Ryan Tannehill. They're paying it right now. They're, they're not going to be paying that in the future, if you were willing to bet, if we had future odds on if it's going to be a young quarterback or veteran. Well, then that brings up the question for it's me. Be a young quarterback or Tom what, Brady. What's the value of going ahead and doing this if you're the Titans quickly and getting ahead of those teams to set the market, so to speak? Yeah, but I, not I, following the lead the of them where you're. The market's already set. That's the problem. Well, that's, and, why he's pull, that's why he's not showing up. Well, like you said with Debo Samuel, if, if they get the deal, if those well, two guys. Well, he's not in the same market as Hill and Adams and Diggs. But the, I'm saying, yeah. But. Samuel, I'm talking about the guys of his age. Samuel, McLaurin, let's say those guys go first. A.J. Brown's going to be more than them, I'm guessing. So if you're the first one to do it, then you set it around them where you may actually get the the bargain in that respect. uh, That's when I get nervous. I wouldn't sit around and wait on those guys to get extensions. It's a good point. And if if the 49ers trade away Garoppolo uh, and – Somehow, you know, they, they're able to move forward without the, what is it, $27 million or whatever they owe them this year. Uh, cash on hand, I'm saying. Then they've got uh, Then you open up. You, you've got young quarterbacks, and you take advantage of that window by paying players around you. And, and that's where A.J. can cash in. But, you know, uh, the Titans are in a tough spot because they, they, they restructured Tannehill, 
uh, to bring in Julio Jones. That didn't work out. It was a risk worth taking last year, but now they're uh, hamstrung to some extent because they have an untradeable quarterback and they have to maneuver and make room if you're going to move forward with a mega contract for a superstar wideout. They could structure it in a way, though, where the first year won't be as painful and, and it, the pain would start next year in terms of, of, of the big money, layering the guarantee, so to speak. But if you have – I think if, if you're in the A.J. Brown camp, you're saying, okay, are the Titans structurally more like Miami and Vegas or more like Kansas City and Green Bay? And I think we know our answer. They're well, more they're, like they're, Miami yeah. and Vegas, where their their highest paid players aren't necessarily going to be at quarterback. Yeah, they're they're in between. Next year they'll be more like those teams once once they offload Tannehill. And next year, presuming that that's what they do, which we all presume. That's and what if they you're do. if you're advising AJ Brown, I'd be telling him, hey man, don't bake on next year, because right now you're getting paid three million dollars, three and some change, and look around the league at your position right now. You're not playing safety or running back. You're playing the marquee position other than quarterback on some of these teams. And that, I mean, had he not been hurt this year, he would have had three consecutive seasons of over 1,000 yards receiving. He nearly got it. He was like 110 yards away from it. Only seven or eight players in NFL history have started a career with 1,000 yards or more receiving in three straight seasons to begin – their pro career. I mean, he he's done things that we haven't seen from the jump that other guys have developed into. This is where I think the Titans are too smart to let them go. They've let a lot of guys walk. Um, and they've said, you know, too rich for our blood on a lot of guys. But when it came to Harold Landry, who is no by no means the caliber of talent at his position that A.J. Brown is, right. they said, this is a guy we cannot let go in the framework of this team based on what he means to us in the framework of our team. And I think they absolutely have to think that about A.J. Brown. Take A.J. Brown off this team right now. It's way, way, way worse. He is an absolute difference maker at a position that is becoming bigger and bigger. Not only to have to sign him and have him long-term, they've got to go draft another guy with potential to be something like him. There's a couple of things, and I agree with you. There's a couple of things that, that make this more difficult with A.J. right now. Number one, he was a second-round pick. So you don't have a fifth-year option that you can just give Jeffrey Simmons right. and make him happy. They're safer with Simmons. With a guaranteed-type deal. A.J. doesn't have that. And uh, on top of it, he's playing a position that you cannot afford to lose right now given the way that your team is structured. The Titans are paying more money on offense than any team in the NFL. Let me repeat that. They're paying more money than any team in the NFL. And that's predominantly because... $140 million next year are on offense. That's predominantly because of that Tannehill contract. And how much of that's going to A.J. Brown? Not much, about $4 million. That's their side of the argument. And I agree with it. He's not um, wrong. If they need to trim some fat, A.J.'s not the direction to go. Uh, you, can start, you can start going around the roster and find out you know, who you could play without versus who you need, and he's in the category of who they need. Debo Samuel is the same way in San Francisco, but the body of work is not the same. And Terry McLaurin, not his fault, needs to be playing with a better quarterback 
uh, and then you really see him blossom. But he's done great things even without the great quarterback, which is to his credit and, and why he'll get paid. And throw DK Metcalf into DK it. I mean, too, that's yeah. very much a rebuild team right yeah. now that also has Tyler Lockett. So you've got no quarterback. You've got two phenomenal receivers. Well, how much are they going to help you if you don't have a guy that can deliver it to them? I mean, uh, you know, if you're in full rebuild there, trading DK Metcalf actually makes sense. I'll tell you the offer from the Jets. I mean, what the Jets are going to look to move is 10 and 69. Would you trade A.J. Brown for 10 and 69? No, I would absolutely not. not. Would you trade uh, DK Metcalf? I would trade him for 10 and 69 and something else. I would trade him if I'm Seattle because they don't want to win this year. Or they'd be getting Baker Mayfield but if they you, do. you need more than that, I think. 10 and 69 in a player. 10 and 69 and no, the, uh, second uh, next year. Again, if uh, I'm looking for the future, that, I want more picks. If, than that. That is the, if that's the offer, no wonder they're having no takers. Because look what, well, look what Vegas and Miami just traded for the top upper echelon. And that's too all, far the, of a all the Jets are offering are picks in this year's draft. Picks that no one wants in this year's draft. Just look at the number of teams represented in the first round. Everyone traded out of this draft because it sucks so right. bad. At 10, you're getting your choice of receiver, which, you know, it's fine. There's some good receivers. But so you're, you're trading your good receiver for the best receiver in this draft. It's going to be more like 10 69 in next year's first. Yeah. That's, that, that's, that's, what, that's what they're going to have to offer to get anyone to listen. Coming up, uh, there is uh, something that happens today where if you're just wondering is your is buddy down the hall or is a family member are they a procrastinator or do they you know get stuff done early today's the day to find out and we explain next on outkick 360 you ready showtime on may 3rd summer starts with the fall guy let's do it later let's drink a spicy margarita make some bad decisions yes Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. We'll get back into the wide receiver discussion. A.J. Brown and uh, others. Coming up at the start of hour number three. Today's tax day, federal tax day, tax deadline. Um, I think I filed last month sometime. You guys procrastinate or do you get it in? We, uh, we do not procrastinate. We had the meeting with the accountant, I want to say like two or three weeks ago. But that was just the final thing. That my, uh, Angie does all of this, but has taken care of it. It's in. But I will say... I keep getting text messages about something being sent to me that I have to docu-sign today. I don't know what it is. I don't know what's going on last minute here, but I feel like I'm Jacob Swanson when it comes to taxes, so I'm sure just now learned that today is tax day when Hutton said so. Ooh. <laughs> Swanson's like, uh, uh, time to file for that extension. By the way, uh, uh, tax filings Jacob Swanson's are up. like, you have to pay taxes in America? <laughs> tax filings are up 10% year to year. 10% more have already filed compared to deadline day last year. The Kuharskis usually file very early. And by the Kuharskis, I mean Teresa Kuharski. Yep, same, same here. Uh, and we file quarterly. Uh, but this year, the Kuharskis have filed for an extension. You file for the extension, then how do you... Do you have to put a reason down for yeah. your extension? Uh, I do not know. Or you, exactly. just, well, you just need I, more time. I think, you can, I think you can just get an extension. 
I don't know if you had to. It's like a doctor's note. Particularly if you're doing your court. <laughs> particularly if you're you doing need to, your do you send a, send a note to the principal being the IRS that something happened or I, they just accept your extension? I think they just accept I get the it. particularly it's if you're fairly doing your easy to get an extension. I don't I, know why. I, I think I, so as well. I've never heard anyone say, you know what? I was turned down. My extension was turned down. Yeah. I'm J- really James asshole. Johnson might be the first, actually. I'm really asshole. I, I didn't get that extension, and, uh, and the three weeks' worth of work I needed to do to get my taxes in order are passed. Yeah. We pay quarterly also. We're actually getting money back this year. We found that out last night. Yeah, That's same. always a happy day. Yeah. Same. Uh, but but it's, it's all – I feel like it's still – it never really benefits me. It's always, hey, you're going to get this back, but now your estimated quarterly yeah. expense uh-huh. is going to be this. So – you know, all in all, you're going to make, you know, $72. <laughs> Congrats. Yeah. It's like, okay, awesome. It's all the same. Order DoorDash tonight. Yeah, it's all the same. I've got a funny story kind of related to taxes. I, I might save it for a primary complaint. If we had more time here, I would have given it to you. If only we had more time. We could get to if Paul's only we tax, had more time. Tax, tax humor is really an avenue we haven't gone on the show yet. This is former employer uh, payment humor. Okay. Meanwhile, Jacob Swanson's wearing a T-shirt today that says, screw your taxes. Yes. He is the Al Capone yeah. of taxpaying. One day the IRS is just going to come it. in here and arrest him. <laughs> They're going to find him. They're going to find you. Well, Jacob Swanson doesn't drive anymore, so yeah. he doesn't use the road. So there's Hard no to, need for his no, taxes. He's driving again. Did you doesn't miss ha- it? Does not have kids in school. He's what driving is, what is his license is back, by yeah. the way. There's no police work around him. <laughs> he's never had a problem with the he's police right that I know about. He's right there. The headlines include a solid debut weekend for the USFL. And wide receivers not showing up for some of the OTAs around the NFL. Details next.